Hey guys, your host, Avery Carl with The Short-Term Shop here. Welcome to our 10-episode deep dive on the Sarasota and Bradenton area, which includes all those fun barrier islands like Anna Maria Island, Siesta Key, really the west coast of Florida. And if you guys are ready to start buying in this market, email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will connect you with our expert agents in this market. I also wanted to let you know that we have some supplemental materials for you guys available on our website. It's theshorttermshop.com where you can go and you can set up a search and look at properties, see what the purchase prices are in this market currently. And you can save your search so that when a property that hits the market in your price range comes out, we can email you and then you'll know right away. We've also got the AirDNA data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA, for this market for the past few years to help you gauge what a property should be able to do. We've got a pretty cool calculator on the website also to help you tie everything together. So lots of stuff to help you along your way while you're listening to this podcast or and or if you just want to hang out with us more, that's pretty cool because we want to hang out with you too. And there's one good place you can do that. It is our Facebook group, same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. It's just us and 60,000 of our closest friends hanging out, talking about short-term rentals, sharing best practices and all that stuff. So you can join that. Or if you guys really just want to talk to us directly, if you have questions about short-term rentals, we have an open office hours call every Thursday and you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Now let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Short-Term Show special episode series on the Sarasota and Bradenton markets. Today, we're going to talk about numbers. We are only talking about income numbers today. We're not talking about expenses. Expenses we will talk about in another episode. So we have a great panel to talk about this today. We've got John and Christina, who you're familiar with. Uh, we have another John, a second John, John Bianchi. Do you want to introduce yourself really quick? Sure thing. Um, so my, I'm John Bianchi. I refer to myself as the Airbnb data guy, at least on Instagram and YouTube and everything. Um, and I live and breathe Airbnb data all day, every day. So I am the head of data for TechVestor, which is the largest short-term rental investment fund in America. Uh, I also have an Airbnb data consulting business and Airbnb data software that's coming out pretty soon. I've got three free Airbnb data trainings and a fourth one on its way as well. So I am uh, I, I live and breathe Airbnb data, like I said. Awesome. And great, great resource to have on the show. We appreciate you doing these episodes for us. Of course. Love doing them. All right, cool. So a couple things, well, more than a couple things, a few things that we're going to go over really quick before we get into the exact numbers of um, what the different properties can do in different areas of this market. We're going to talk about a few ways to measure and or analyze short-term rentals, a few terms that you might have heard in the past, but maybe you don't quite know how to apply them. Uh, we are going to talk about mostly gross numbers when we're looking at these, because that's really the only way to compare to make an apples to apples comparison. I know every a-hole on the internet wants to say, oh, I need net numbers. Gross numbers mean nothing. But there's no way to compare it, to make a, a similar comparison across the board because everyone's net is going to be different depending on what type of loan they got, how much they put down, how lean of, of an operation they run. So there's just, you have to use gross numbers and stop with the gross means nothing because that's how you compare it. So let's just stop with that. I'm tired of seeing that. Um, next off that soapbox, um, there's a few also numbers in terms of, uh, how to measure the returns on a property out there in the universe. You've probably heard the word cap rate before. 
Uh, cap rate, while every property does have a cap rate, whether it's commercial or residential, cap rate is not typically the best way to measure the performance of a short-term rental because the income determines the cap rate and the cap rate determines the value of the property. That is a, it's commonly used in valuing commercial properties. The reason we don't use it to measure the performance of short-term rentals is because short-term rentals are residential. So let me explain that a different way. Commercial properties are appraised based on their cap rate. So the income determines how much the property is worth. With residential, at least for now, until banks and lenders start viewing short-term rentals as commercial properties, which they may in the future, but as of now, they don't. As of right now, a residential property, the value is determined based on sold comps of other residential properties. So if you've got a single family short-term rental next to a single family not short-term rental, that single family short-term rental, if it nets, even if it nets a million dollars a year, according to the bank, it's worth the same amount as the property next door that is not a rental at all. So keep that in mind that that's why we don't really use cap rate because that would mean that the value of the property is determined by the income. And in this scenario, it's actually determined just by residential sold comps, just like any other um, single family. So what we do use is cash on cash return. So cash on cash return, to put it very simply, is you take all the money that you put into the property up front. So your down payment, closing costs, all that, any rehab costs, and then you take that and compare it to the money that you have in the bank at the end of the year after all of your expenses. And that is your cash on cash return. Um, there have been different rules of thumb regarding cash on cash return and what you're looking for throughout uh, the past few years. And I don't really subscribe to any personally rule of thumb about that because what one person is doing with a property isn't necessarily what you're going to be able to do, whether that's you're going to be able to do better or worse. Uh, so it's it's really hard to say, okay, well, this property is this price, it's doing this, so the cash on cash return is going to be that. You can change what the cash on cash return is very easily. You can get a wildly different cash on cash return number just by putting down a different down payment amount or just by uh, having maybe asking for a few thousand bucks and closing costs from the seller to buy down your rate, which makes your monthly payment less, which will make your cash on cash return go up. So there's a lot of little manipulations you can do. And just analyzing a property based on the way it is now with the current owner doesn't really work, especially if you're planning to do some kind of a uh, like a decor refresh or do some theming, or maybe it's a three bedroom, but there's enough room to add a fourth, things like that. So what we're really doing when it comes to short-term is kind of the same thing that we're doing in multifamily and single family long-term uh, is you're looking for the deal that where the opportunity is there for you to get that cash on cash return number to where you need it to be. So you're not looking at the deal based on what this person's doing. It is important you do want that data. You want to have that piece of data but you're looking for the opportunity to improve. So um, you want to be able, and before we get into the numbers, uh, you also want to get data from as many places as you can. And John will kind of tell you the rules of, not the rules of thumb, but some guidelines about that. Because um, there's a lot of great places you can get data now. There's obviously, there's AirDNA, there's Rabu, there's STR Insights, there's Key Data. There's a bunch of different options out there now. And the data is very important. Uh, when I started, there was not data and we had to kind of figure it out as we went. You guys have it a lot easier because you have data um, at your fingertips. We also want to make sure that while we're using that data, 
to get a range of what we think our property should be able to do. We also want to make sure that we're doing the enemy method. Uh, if you guys want an idea of what that is or the definition of that, you can go to enemymethod.com. There's a whole video on how to do that. But basically what you're doing is you're zooming in on the area that you plan to buy a property on the OTA, so Airbnb and Verbo, and you're looking at your enemies or your neighbors uh, to kind of figure out how your property compares to them so you can figure out where on that data spectrum that you've come up with your property might fall. So you're looking at ways that you can be a better or maybe ways that you can't compete with them and how, to put it very, very simply, what you're looking at is what will make a person who's on Airbnb looking for a place to say, choose your property over your competition. So you want to make sure that you're using the enemy method in conjunction with that data to make sure that, for example, you're buying the right type of property that tourists have come to expect. So, you know, if the tourists have come to expect in mountain markets, it's a really easy example. They want to stay in cabins. So if you're buying a 50s brick ranch home and you enemy method and see, well, none of the enemies have these brick ranch homes. These that are doing really well are all log cabins. Maybe you want to avoid that brick ranch home and buy the log cabin. So anyway, uh, just a quick overview of a few terms that you'll probably hear when it comes to um, analyzing short-term rentals. And anyway, I will let John take it from here. So John, when you are looking at the numbers on a property and you're looking at other properties to kind of compare where you might fall, what are some guidelines that you want to stick to in terms of making sure that you're looking at the right properties and the right data? So just a Clarify, you're talking about essentially the uh, enemy method there, right? Like how do I compare side by side with the different properties? Yeah. So how do you apply that enemy method to your spreadsheets? Because I'm I'm a very visual person um, and I know you're a lot more detail oriented than, than I am. So let's marry those two things together. Yeah, perfect. I'm actually glad you said that because I was going to start off this whole part of what I was going to say with talking about the enemy method and kind of adding on to what you said. So you said in the cabin markets, right? Uh, or sorry, the mountain markets, you want to look for a cabin over a brick home just because that's typically what most of the homes are doing really well. The, most of the homes are doing really well look like that. Um, what I do is kind of take it a, a, as deep as I can possibly go. So, okay, it's like, you know that you want a cabin market or a cabin, but how many living rooms do you need? How high do the ceilings need to be? Um, do you need like that real wood inside or will the tongue and groove work? Um, will, do you need like a, a game room that can support a, a full-size pool table, or is it just having like a foosball table and a shuffleboard in there going to be able to cut it? What does the backyard look like? How much sort of land do you have back there? Can you actually get a good sized fire pit back there? Can you get a pool back there? Can you get a hot tub back there? And the reason I'm, I'm seeing like, do I, can I do all these things is because my competition likely is doing most of those things. And so I'm trying to understand all these little things that they have that I will then need to compete on, right? Because, I mean, Gatlinburg's a great example for this. Everybody that's doing well has a log cabin. If you don't have a log cabin, you're not going to be able to hit your numbers. It's just like how it goes. But then once everybody has a log cabin, what are the what are the other things that people are then competing against, right? Um, and this is what I refer to as the must-have amenities and the nice-to-have amenities. So the must-have amenities are the things that everybody has, and you absolutely need those, right? So if every single person in the Gatlinburg market has a hot tub and you don't, you will automatically lose, right? It's the same idea as like if you're in Scottsdale and you don't have a pool, you automatically lose. And so to take it like a step further from what you're saying, I my guideline is just to try to pinpoint all of those like fun and interesting things about the property 
and see if I can apply them to my property because everybody has a kitchen, everybody has a bathroom and every, everybody has bedrooms, but it's all those additional things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. So I did go through the different locations that we were talking about here. So just to, before I go and kind of ramble on a whole bunch, about all these different little spots, um, we, I went into Siesta Key. I went into the city of Sarasota. I went into Anna Maria Island and I went into Bradington and I went into uh, specific zip codes within those areas. Well, mainly Bradington and uh, Sarasota. And I'm assuming I went into those specific zip codes because those are the only spots where it's legally, you're legally able to rent. Is that right, John or Christina? In the city of Sarasota, it is uh, the Manatee okay. County ones. There's no regulations here um, at all. Uh, an unincorporated Manatee County. There's some minor reg- regulations in the city of Bradington. Um, but with regards to Sarasota, yes. Okay, perfect. And those two zip codes that you're legally allowed to manage in are uh, 34239 and 34236. Is that right? The city line isn't drawn perfectly straight around those zip codes, but for the majority of those zip codes, yes. Okay, perfect. That was, that's helpful because I actually found it pretty interesting. So Siesta Key, obviously being the main beach, like one of the most popular beaches in all of America, right? Um, actually one of the very first places I started, I tried to start my Airbnb business was in Siesta Key because the numbers were so great. Uh, didn't end up working out because I was doing arbitrage instead of purchasing. But when it comes to Sarasota, what I noticed about the, like the, the zip code that ends in three, nine, it's the first section, like right after you get off the bridge and go back onto the mainland. Right. And I always find those kind of pieces of land to be super interesting because, on Siesta Key, it's very, very expensive, but right off of Siesta Key on the mainland, it gets a lot cheaper, right? To own homes. Now, if you if the home is a lot cheaper to own, then it is a lot cheaper to rent as well, right? So somebody who's an Airbnb guest that is looking for a more affordable stay might have to choose to stay inland rather than on the Siesta Key Island, and then they can drive to the beach. And so that to me was like a, that's a very interesting sort of uh, setup with and like a pole right it's kind of like a a national park being 20 minutes away and you're getting like a cheaper place because you're 20 minutes away rather than like right in front of the entrance um and then the other one like the the zip code that ends in 36 for sarasota is sort of the downtown area and downtown areas naturally have their own pole as well so just kind of like wanted to start off with the different air like zip codes and explain the different areas i'm looking into just so that as i'm going through the data it kind of makes sense to somebody who maybe doesn't visually know these areas as well as as you guys would um but first off want to start off with siesta key because uh, that's where i did the most of my research there's uh there i've got a lot of notes so i'm just going to kind of ramble through each of these different notes and like what i've seen and i'm going to go through each each of these different areas as i go through it and it'll land with the one that i kind of like the most and how i think where I would go if I were to be going into this general area. Um, so when it came to Siesta Key, obviously uh, it's it's you know extremely popular. It's a uh, expensive market nowadays when it comes to being able to buy in that area. And one word of caution that I have to start off with is that it seemed like there were some homes doing like crazy, crazy numbers, $300,000, $400,000. But what I noticed was that it was all from this one company which their their name is SKLRP and LKV, which is like, 
So that's their management company name. I don't know what that stands for. I don't know if you guys know that. You know it? You have to key luxury vacation rental properties. <laughs> there you go. And Lido PB. Yeah, they're a big property management, basically in the luxury. Yeah. Okay, so I'm only I'm only bringing them up simply because um, their data didn't seem super accurate, and it made me nervous for somebody who was who didn't know what they were doing to go and look at all of those properties and assume that they were right. And so I'm just kind of putting that out there. And that's that was because they had a lot of these like properties that looked like they were doing like $400,000 a year. Um, but then when you look at the property and you compare it to another property that's doing two hundred dollars to $300,000 a year, it wasn't nicer in the amount that it would make $100,000 more, right? So just kind of pointing that out before I get into it, just in case somebody is doing that. Um, what I did notice was that the two bedrooms and the one bedrooms um, are all in that sort of condo region, right? So where those condos that are along the beach and they have the tennis courts with them. And there's a really nice sort of setup that they have, which is a, it's a super cool part of Siesta Key that they have all these condos. And all of those condos there were doing really well. So like on average, they were performing around 75,000 for a one bedroom and 100,000 for a two bedroom. But personally, I think they could potentially be doing more because most of those listings weren't that great. Actually, it's one thing I wanna say about almost this entire area, barely found any great listings. I don't know what it is. I feel like the last couple of areas that I've researched, there's just not been good listings, but there's there's honestly like no superior listings. And I think that's just simply because everyone's so close to the beach that, that they don't have to try their hardest to actually uh, make the best possible listing because they know people are going there no matter what. To me, I just see that as opportunity. I've seen that a lot specifically in Siesta Key. Like there's no, there's not even like a wall that has a different color. You know, yeah. there's no theme rooms that hasn't really started in that area. Yeah. You do see that sometimes here in Bradenton or the city of Sarasota, you're starting to see that. But there's yep. definitely room for growth in yeah, that I, market and doing those things. I think there's room for being more strategic to give the ideal guests the best possible experience, right? So Obviously, families are going here more than anybody else. So what if and, and as parents, you're trying to give the best experience to your kids. So then therefore, you, you should design your home in a way that's going to make the kids have the best possible time while still, you know, giving the parents what they want to be able to relax. And then if you can kind of combine those two, that's where you're going to see the best possible return, right? So, you know, when I say a two bedrooms making only uh, making 100,000, that's amazing, right? But it, they're really just relying on the fact that they're next to one of the best beaches in America. Uh, so it's like, how could you amp that up a little bit more? The um, the 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 three bedrooms. The crazy part about this is that the there's almost nobody that has a three bedroom or a four bedroom that's making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like almost everybody's making a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars a year as a three bedroom and a four bedroom within Siesta Key, which uh, is is like the only place where you're gonna see that. Like there's always there's usually always people who kind of lag behind and they're making like fifty thousand or less. But uh, anyways, that's just a an interesting sort of thing that I was able able to find out. Um, and actually, one of my favorite, absolute favorite listings when I was first getting started is actually in Siesta Key. So just a quick little side tangent here. There's this building that I found when I was first getting started, just getting into the data, just understanding everything, where this lady took this piece of land that was on. So you got the, the beach side. She was just on the other side of the road. And they completely rebuilt this structure to turn it into, I believe it's four different units with a pool, common pool right in the middle. And like one unit's like a three bedroom and a two bedroom and a four bedroom. I, I don't know the exact numbers. I, I wanted to research it a little bit more, but I'm just kind of recalling from when I started doing this five years ago. And uh, five years ago, that lady was absolutely crushing it with that listing, making like $400,000 a year. And I just came across it again for the first time since then. And she's still there, absolutely crushing it, making a ton of money with that property. And she doesn't hasn't updated it in that entire time period. So um, anyways, 
I just think it's super cool to find a building that looks like that and how much money you can make from it. Always, always got me so intrigued about Airbnb in the first place. So that's everything when it comes to Siesta Key, just kind of to summarize the one one bedrooms, two bedrooms, I'd probably be looking a bit more into the one bedroom condos if I were to be doing it, just because they do have a ton of potential to hit those numbers. Um, the three and the four bedrooms, it seems like you really can't go wrong with the amount of revenue being made. Now, mind you, the home prices are a lot higher, so it's hard to say for a fact if those are going to cash flow in a way that you want them to, or if they're going to cash flow at all. It might just be more of like a, a break even hold property and gain that equity be just by owning in Siesta Key. Um, but yeah, so anyways, tons of money being made in Siesta Key. That's my first part. I got four, I got four places to go through. So I'm trying to. Okay. Yeah. So in Siesta Key, you want to buy one bedroom condos. Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. I think that that's probably going to be your best, uh, bang for your buck. But that overall it, and this is kind of interesting too, that John and Christina have said in previous episodes that Siesta Key is really more of like a lifestyle purchase. And this is kind of what you're saying too, especially in that three to four bedroom range. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. What's the next one? All right. So next one is uh, the city of Sarasota. And so I think this is where, again, you have these two different zip codes that I want to break up. So the first one is the one that's just on the other side of the bridge of Siesta Key. So like just as you leave. And then the other one is downtown. Now, mind you, they're very close to each other, but I, I kind of see them as two different places. So I started going through the data and, um, you know, I'm trying to go from bedroom count to bedroom count to try and make sense of like, what's the best thing to purchase in this area. And it's, there's a lot of trends for every single market. No, it's sort of like, no matter what market you're in, they're going to find some commonalities, right? So I looked at the one bedrooms that were directly over the bridge from Siesta Key. And, you know, they're, they're, they weren't really all that great. They weren't really all that nice of homes. They weren't really all well put together. But then once you get to the sort of downtown area of Siesta Key, there's obviously better one bedrooms that people can uh, buy. And it seemed like that's where you're getting these nicer one bedrooms that were performing a little bit better, which is obvious, right? Because you're in the downtown area, it's smaller homes, whereas not in the downtown area, you're mainly looking at houses and so, or homes. And so, um, so with that being said, in the downtown area, I'd probably be looking at like a smaller one bedroom, two bedroom and trying to just find somebody that wanted to be able to drive to the beach, um, but still wanted to, you know, stay in a nice place. Maybe that was in a condo that had a pool. And again, you're kind of looking for somebody who's looking for a more affordable place. So it's not going to make nearly as much as the one that's going to be on Siesta Key, but it still should perform fairly well. And it's going to cost you a fraction of what it's going to cost you to get on Siesta Key, right? Um, whereas directly across the bridge, I would be looking at a three or a four bedroom that had a pool that could be designed really well. So the interesting thing about this is that there actually was, um, I think it was three. So three listings within that little space there that were actually done, in my opinion, really well. Um, and they they looked great. They were put together well. They had good pools. They were three bedrooms. Uh, and they were making somewhere between, I think it was like 115 and 140,000, right? Which is a very small portion. And then there was a bunch of listings underneath it that were not performing nearly as well. And so, um, and they just, but they weren't put together as nicely. And so in my mind, I go, okay, well, here's an opportunity, right? We see a couple of people that are performing like well uh, with listings that I know that I could beat if, if I were to really try to put my uh, time into this. And then when you go and look at the value of the homes in that area, like you can potentially get a home around five, $600,000 that has a pool that's a three bedroom. And it's, you know, a 10 minute drive to Siesta Key Beach. And so to me, I'm like, that's an opportunity zone. That's kind of the way I see that. Like that's that's a nice little spot right there where I'd be, I'd be very intrigued to be looking a little bit more into. So um, when it comes to this, Sarasota, the city of Sarasota, smaller units in the downtown area, uh, three to four bedroom with a pool, 
uh, around, you know, under 600,000 just on the other side of that bridge is where I'd be looking. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I agree with most of what you said. However, when you get into the downtown area, a lot of those condo buildings have 30-night minimum stays. Um, yep. I'm wondering if some of the ones you were looking at potentially weren't playing by the rules, so to speak. Uh, very likely. Very likely. Right. This is this is what almost every single episode we get on. We always talk about how you need the local knowledge mixed in with the data. Right. So I, I look at it yeah. from a high level like, hey, look, it looks great. And then you're like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> right. And I go, <laughs> OK, sounds good. You can't do it. Um, so, yeah. So most likely uh, and that's where, you know, working with somebody like you guys would be a lot more beneficial for somebody to be able to figure that out. Sure. Yeah. Um, yep. That's why you need the data plus a local expert. Exactly. The perfect combination. <laughs> so the the next one is Anna Maria Island. Honestly, I didn't have a ton of, I was kind of running out of time when I was going through these last two. Um, and Anna Maria Island, when I was looking at it, just instantly kind of, it, it felt very similar to uh, Siesta Key. It's a, it seems like a lifestyle play. It seems like even the people that like, there's not a ton of good data out there either which was very difficult. And it just seems like the people who own those properties are, you know, covering their expenses. Am I, am I right? Or am I wrong on that one? Yeah. You're spot on, particularly with, you know, today's, you know, purchase price, interest rates. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful, fantastic place, but it's, it's difficult to, to make good money out there. Okay. That's what I was, that's kind of what I was seeing out there, but you know, that that's a play that people go for, right? Like it, I mean, there's beautiful homes. It's absolutely beautiful location. So like, I get why people would do that if you can by all means. Right. I mean, if I could, I would. Right. So, um, the next spot is obviously going to be Bradenton, but before I get into it, I just need to know, like, why do people go to Bradenton? Why do people rent? I don't know Bradenton well enough, but just based off of like where it's located in in comparison to, you know, Siesta Key and like Sarasota are so close to that beach. Whereas Bradenton um, seems to be a little bit more of like a city. It's a little bit further away from the beach. Am I right or am I wrong on that? And if so, like, why are people traveling to Bradenton? Just out of my own curiosity. Anamory Island is a huge part of it. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of draw to Anamaria Island. I mean, the beaches are very similar to Siesta, but it's a lot more laid back, less commercialized, you know, uh, atmosphere. Um, you know, I, I refer to it as the the flip-flops and golf cart vibe, you know, just gotcha. um, very, very laid back, but, you know, beautiful beaches. Um, you know, in addition to that, you know, there's other areas in Bradington, you know, that we kind of talked about in previous episodes, other draws from IMG Academy to you know, the golf courses. And it's also, you know, from an investor perspective, a little bit more affordable than Sarasota to get, you know, uh, a larger house um, just over the bridge, which is, I'm assuming what you're about to talk about next. Yeah, pretty well. The uh, IMG Academy, what is that? Because I saw that in multiple people's uh, title. It's basically like a boarding school for professional athletes is kind of the best way to describe it. So, you know, top athletes from all over the world go there to um, learn their K through 12 education and also practice, you know, uh, their, their sports skills. You know, there's some of the top tennis players in the world and top, you know, basketball, you know, prospects in the world that, you know, currently go there. Um, and there, there's also, you know, along with that is the, the top notch facilities, the top notch coaching, and they also have a lot of events that they host there, you know, tournaments, uh, soccer tournaments and gotcha. things okay. like that. Okay. That actually, um, that helps. That last little piece there is what was the one thing that was kind of, I was wondering about because I naturally on the other, you know, other side of the bridge, uh, home with a pool does well. Right. And it actually performs really well. Like there's, there's some good money being made from the four bedroom plus buildings there. Even like the three bedrooms are performing really well. 
Um, it seems like you would want to get a place that wasn't going to be overly expensive. Like there's definitely homes there that are far more expensive than some of the other homes in the area, right? So it seems like if I were to be looking into Bradenton, I'd be trying to find a home that uh, was, you know, around that 700, maybe $800,000 range to be able to uh, make the amount of money, like to be able to have some sort of cash flow from that property, right? Because there's, it seems like there's homes there that are also going for 1.5 to 2.5 billion. And, you know, when I say, hey, get a four bedroom with a pool, that's not necessarily the ones that I'm referring to, unless you're going for that sort of lifestyle play, right? Um, so where I see the most opportunity is actually with this, if there, if you could get a six bedroom, um, this is one of my one of my favorite pieces of data. You have this one lady who has actually picked up a couple of these six bedrooms and is performing extremely well with a six bedroom with a pool. They're, the listings are done well and um, they're not you know to the extreme, but they're done well enough to be able to perform uh, good, right? So there, she's what I refer to as a clean listing, right? So it's really well put together. It's neat. It's tidy. It makes someone feel comfortable when they're about to book it, but it's nothing over the top, right? So there's still some sort of opportunity there to be able to uh, perform as well. But the reason I like seeing that one host having a couple of different homes that are very similar doing well is because I know she's not a management company. It's not just a one-off opportunity, right? She's kind of proven it out that it, it can work multiple times. That's actually how I got started. I found somebody who had multiple listings that were roughly the same size, they were all performing about the exact same. And I went out and got pretty well the exact same thing was able to do uh, as well and better than him. And so when I see this six, this person performing with these six bedrooms, I'm like, that is very interesting. Why are really large groups going to Bradington though, right? And so you kind of just talked about the IMG Academy and going to these tournaments and different things. So like maybe there's a lot of people kind of coming in for that. And so they need these larger homes to be able to do that. And then obviously Anne Marie Island being a big part of it as well. So Anyways, what I'm trying to say is um, out of everything that I went through, all these different areas, Siesta Keys, Sarasota, Anna Marie, Bradington, I would be trying to find potentially a six bedroom uh, in Bradington with a pool and just going all out with it. That would be like my go-to for anyone who's looking for my go-to. So yeah, that's everything. Okay. So go to Bradenton six bedroom with a pool. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, or buy a six bedroom that doesn't have a pool but room to add one and you save, how, how much do you think you say? I know up here in Florida, I mean, it can be a couple hundred thousand to difference for a property with a pool versus without, but what do you guys think? Purchase price difference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on the property, but you know, easy 200 grand, it can be different two to 300, like you said, I think. Okay. So um, it's really funny that we did not have this conversation with John before he came on and everything he said was kind of reflective of what you guys said in previous episodes in terms of where you uh, find the best places to buy. Like, so Siesta and Anna Maria, awesome, really cool places to go. Maybe not the highest cash flow in the world, but it's not necessarily something that a lot of people are buying specifically for the cash flow. They're buying because they want to own a house there and then put it on Airbnb and you know manage it well. And, um, and then it puts a dent in its own expenses or maybe breaks even, maybe makes a little money, but it's not a cash flow purchase. So um, interesting. Downtown, I mean, uh, not downtown, sorry. Uh, Bradenton, six bedroom, well, uh, John and Christina, do you have anything, any color to add to to any of this so far? Um, I guess I'd like to kind of ask John, you mentioned the six, six bedrooms are extremely rare, extremely mm -hmm. rare over here. And if you are getting a six bedroom, it's it's going to be almost definitely above a million dollars. So you had mentioned um, four bedrooms and up. 
And, yeah. you know, kind of my recommendation to clients and where, you know, we, we try to, to go is, you know, starting at four bedrooms because there seems to be a big jump between the revenue with a three bedroom and a four bedroom. Um, you know, we yeah. talked about the other day, you know, trying to um, get a three bedroom converted into a four bedroom. That way you're paying a three bedroom purchase price and getting four bedroom revenue. But what are your thoughts on, you know, four to five bedrooms as opposed to six? Because, like I said, trying to find a six bedroom is extremely difficult. Uh, yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I I was looking online to kind of see if I whenever I do the research, I'm always trying to see like what homes are available, how much are they going for, stuff like that. And I didn't see any six bedrooms. And so even though I know that the six bedroom is what I look for, I know that it didn't seem like there were any available. Right. So this is where I'd go to a, go to somebody such as yourself and be like, is it possible to get a six bedroom? What are the odds? Like how long do I have to wait? Something along those lines. Right. And Obviously, you're saying it's going to take a long time. So I uh, I do agree with that strategy that you just said, and that probably would be my next move is get a three bedroom with pool and try to convert it into a four bedroom as long as I wasn't giving up anything needed. So in other words, um, sometimes people will buy a home that has two living rooms, right? And they'll convert the other living room into a bedroom. Now, that could be fine. However, if the competition... If everybody else in the area has two living rooms and the second living room is a game room or like a pool table room or like a hangout room, and then you convert to a four bedroom and no longer have that additional living room space with all that, with that amenity, then you're not going to be competitive with them, regardless of the fact that you have a four bedroom, right? You're going to make less than everybody else. So that's the the one sort of thing that I'd be thinking about when I would be looking into that. Um, but that strategy does make a ton of sense. And even when I was doing this research, specifically in the, uh, um, no, so when I was doing this, I was going through 09 and 10, which are the two zip codes there. And I, I looked at the, the one bedrooms, the two bedrooms, like how much they're making on average. And then as soon as I saw the four bedrooms, I was like, oh yeah, that's where I want to look. And I like double clicked into it and started reviewing that data. And um, yeah, so that's, I, I agree with you that there is that big jump from three to fours and converting a three definitely would make sense. It seems like you guys clearly know what you're doing. You don't need me here, but uh, just <laughs> backed everything up with the data for you. Well, so, yeah. That's awesome. yeah. And it's also interesting, like John and I, you know, we own personally in those areas that you mentioned. So right across the bridge on Siesta and then right across the bridge and three, four, two, one, zero and three, four, two, nine. Nice. So Good to hear. Yeah, that's awesome. How'd you guys decide on those areas out of curiosity? I grew up here. I'm from here. So I know the area very well. And, you know, we just started looking here naturally as the first place to look and uh, numbers worked out very well. So there you go. That makes sense. So basically we have the the best agents in the, in the market sitting right here. (laughs) Now I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the six bedroom was us because, so we have a duplex that's here. We can rent separately. There are three twos on each side. They each have a pool and then can rent them together as a six bedroom. So mm, kind of our sweet spot. And John just had a listing here that was somewhat similar in this area. So we're actually sitting in that property now. I'm on one side. And she's oh, no, on I'm one. on one side. And he's on the <laughs> <laughs> uh, it look, no, no, it was not. No. So it's not here. Yeah. Is it, is it, who's the host for the Airbnb? Yeah. So it's not, it's not, there's, it's somebody named Jenny, Theresa, uh, and then. The other one's Haley. Oh, I don't, my data, like when I look at the data, there's a lot of listings that don't make it through because I have, I get rid of a lot of the bad data or beta that data that's not useful yet. Um, and so I only have three, but I'm assuming there's obviously a lot more, but yeah. yeah there, there's only a handful of them out there. So, you know, they are, they are very uh, rare. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd be jumping on those quick. Even at even at a million, I'd be jumping on it. Oh, really? Awesome. Well, guys, are there any points that anybody wants to make that we feel like we've missed here? I guess I, I would have one question for John. Is there any, you know, in your search, in your research, is there any specific amenities or must-have things that you've noticed or came across other than, you know, the the obvious? Yeah, except for the obvious. Um <laughs> uh no. So <laughs> I say no, but what I did notice was that the vast majority of the listings were not good. Uh, not great. Let me put it that way. A lot of them were good or okay. You know what I mean? Where, where, And to me, that's when somebody designs the home themselves, so they don't get a professional to do it. And they do have good photos and they don't add in uh, extra amenities like a mini putt in the backyard or an all out game room or something along or a movie theater if they can. Right. And when I don't see a lot of those additional things, I see those as good listings or OK listings. Right. So, however, I've studied like every market in America. Right. So I've seen the great listings over and over and over and over again. And I know that there's so much potential to take a listing and just amplify it through color design strategically designing it for the guests that's going to be the the one to pay the absolute most and giving them every single last thing to really have a great experience and uh, i didn't see a ton of those and so my recommendation actually i'll be honest i didn't see any of those i didn't see a single one all i saw were good listings so my recommendation would be to try um since there's no great listings in all four of those locations that i looked I would be going to other like markets that might be even more popular, right? So trying to find another area, uh, whether it be in Florida or another place that was along the water that had what I would refer to as great listings. And you can know, you know, when you're looking at a great listing, it's just superior, the colors more, there's way more going on. And that would, those would be the listings that I would study. And then I would take that and I would bring it to those area, the, the Bradington area or the Siesta Key area. And I would use those strategies, even though they're not being used in that area, it's likely that they would end up working there as well, because it's a like for like market and, and people want that experience. They, they're willing to pay more for more. You know what I mean? You're giving them way more value, way more, a, a way better experience, all these things. And so people are going to pay for it. Um, and you're going to be able to beat your competition, which is like the enemy method, right? That's, that's step one. Um, and just because your area doesn't have great listings doesn't mean that you shouldn't put together a great listing or find other great listings that you can then bring to that market. So that's my only recommendation. Very good. Well, yeah. very informative as usual. Thanks so much, John, for coming on. Uh, sure. Guys, if if you want to learn more about uh, this market or work with our agents, John and Christina, in that market, uh, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com. You can join our Facebook group, same title as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Or you can also uh, join one of our weekly Q&As at strquestions.com. And if you want to learn more about John Bianchi, John, where can they find you? Uh, I recommend everyone to go to YouTube and look up my name or the Airbnb data guy. I've got three free courses out there. Study my free material. Learn as much as you possibly can. Get to know the way I think, the way I do things. Uh, and if you are interested, if you like it, there's, there's many ways that you can reach out to me, either through email or DM uh, that you can find on the social media sites. So... Start with YouTube and uh, go from there. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode. 